and we're back again for another week of behind the sport. Um, starting to actually get some restrictions lifted and stuff. So hopefully we'll be racing again soon, Brent. Yes. That makes me happy. You makes know how much happy? that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, you've uh, told us a few times how much motorsport turns and motoring on. stuff turns you on. And uh, yeah, so, um, but yeah, look, this week, um, been saying she'd be on in for a few weeks and just, you know, things just haven't worked out. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, we've had a bit of a break for a week, which was actually, I think that was the week we meant to have April on. And uh, we sort of gave her a bit of a bump for a couple of weeks. So we do apologise for everyone that was waiting. But uh, we do have April Welsh. She is a 26-year-old this year, um, Formula V racer. Uh, she is type 1 diabetic. She is a poster girl for um, really pushing people to do what they want to do, uh, no matter what their actual, you know, perceived limitations are. Um, and she's going to jump on today and have a chat with us. So, yeah, looking forward to this one. Yeah, no, that's certified ripper she is. So um, cool. keen, to, keen to catch up with her. All right, let's get her on. For joining us, April, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Very excited. Yeah, so a um, bit of Piston Cup and I have forgotten the name. Oh, uh, Speed McQueen, is that his name? Lightning oh, McQueen. My gosh. Oh, my gosh. Shane. Oh, how can look, we, do we even know you? Look, <laughs> you know, just throwing it out there, but I haven't watched that in a very long time. Well, one weekend, so I think that's going to be on the uh, the movie list, Shane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So, 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 what is the character's name? Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen. Oh gosh. Okay. When you have kids, Shane, you will you will get to know that movie inside and out. Does that just make me a big kid, though? <laughs> oh man, I I had it before we had kids, so it was <laughs> proud dad when we could start jamming cars together now we've got like all the toys as well and it's just yeah. an excuse for me to buy cars toys exactly <laughs> just exactly. a bit out of focus there we go i'm back in focus that's better everyone's got to see this lovely face of mine i think but uh yeah it's just joking <laughs> <laughs> so, it's so april white. tell me what have you been up to while you haven't been able to go racing um i've been working <laughs> and working and working um, I work in the PR and media team at the Children's Hospital here in Perth. Yep. Um, and so it's been a really busy time at the moment to be working uh, in health. So uh, unfortunately, it's been a couple of uh, weeks of long hours and sending out internal uh, emails to thousands of staff. But um, I suppose it's also been a really interesting period of, I suppose, my professional career to be working as well. So there's always some silver linings at the moment. Now, last time I had a chat with you, you were actually at Hunter Communications. So, um, yeah, big change. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Different challenge, I guess, obviously being more in the public health sector and having to deal with a lot of different things. But because you volunteer a lot of your time down at the Children's Hospital, um, you know, with your, with your health being type 1 diabetic and you know, being very motivational for, you know, the young kids and teenagers about their health as well. So 
Um, does this give you more time to do, you know, like the cool volunteer stuff as well? Or is it sort of, you know, not increasing yeah. much? Um, I suppose growing up, obviously spending a lot of time in hospital as a, as a patient myself, um, yeah, I, I did a lot of advocacy roles um, a few years ago and actually spent eight years um, as a youth advisory committee actually giving input into the design and building of the new hospital. So it's kind of ironic that I've now made it like full circle and now work there as an employee. But um, it's it's really awesome and it, I suppose it's, again, a special and unique opportunity that um, I get to enjoy every day that not many people do. Um, but I suppose from the diabetes advocacy side of things, I probably do more of that with my racing role than I do um, professionally. So um, it was kind of cool. I uh, caught up last weekend with a group of women who race in all different fields across Australia um, and uh, we discussed, I suppose, the different categories that we all race in um, and one of the things that I heard well said and then kind of reflected on it later was that um, you know one of the things that I love the most about racing is that ambassador role that I get to bring um, and whilst I obviously love the adrenaline and the speed and you know all the other elements that motorsport brings um, one of the biggest things and one of the biggest kicks I get out of what I do uh, when I'm at the racetrack is, as you said, Shane, you know, the fact that I get kids coming up to me and saying that they also have diabetes and they want to show me their insulin pumps. And, um, yeah, I get a real kick out of that. And I definitely, definitely suppose that's a unique perspective um, of motorsport that I get to enjoy that not everyone else does. So I've actually really been missing it from that perspective um, through COVID as much as I have missed the, the track action. I've, I've really missed that role as well. Yeah. Now, that um, event you were talking about, I believe there was 59 uh, participants all dialed in via uh, Zoom. Yeah. Um, and you, just, you guys were all discussing uh, 13 different motorsport genres. Um, tires, I believe, was a hot topic. Um, yes. And, you know, first-time mums coming out on, you know, getting back on track. And, of course, uh, the, the diabetes technology for drivers as well. Uh, yep. And that was through Race Chicks Motorsport, um, which I've sort of been keeping an eye on since, um, you know, we did a bit of an interview series uh, for the Women in Motorsport earlier back in uh, March. And uh, they popped up a few times around that time as well, which was fantastic. And um, yeah, another participant in that was uh, Laura Burns as well, who's also in that series. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I was actually felt a bit bummed I couldn't tune in and watch that because I reckon that would have been <laughs> interesting to, to see all yeah. the different perspectives mm. in that. Um, yeah. It's not often that, uh, you know, such a large forum is given, uh, you know, to, to women to, to just talk about motorsport like that, um, which is probably Absolutely. why us guys weren't invited. But um, I know. think there were a couple of, a couple of gents on the, on the call, but... Um, and at one point, Rochelle, the, the chair, actually asked them to make comment and they kept very quiet. So I think they thought <laughs> a bit intimidated being outnumbered. But, um, no, it was, a, it was an awesome event. Um, and, you know, I suppose, again, with the silver linings of um, COVID, you know, that's an opportunity that I probably wouldn't have been a part of um, previously. So uh, it was just really cool to kind of go around the country and, and tune in to what, you know, different women are participating and, and categories and 
um, you know, I suppose there was a few things there that I thought, hmm, that sounds cool. I'd like to give that a go myself. So (laughs) who knows? Watch out. There might be um, April Welsh racing uh, quad bikes in Queensland soon. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) At least it's still open wheeler. So um, yeah, that's (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, obviously last year, we had a chat uh, about your history in motorsport and how you got started in motorsport. And of course, um, for those that don't know, um, the Welsh family have a bit of a history with racing. Um, Your grandfather, who's still at the track, um, your father, who retired, putting quotation marks last year. Yeah, Um, hang up, hung up the boots. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I was actually hoping that, I mean, you, with your first race this year, you know, we had a chat again, you know, it was doing some stuff around volunteers at the beginning of the year. Um, but we had a chat at the beginning of the year and I didn't get to catch up with you afterwards. And, you know, how was your first race back with, I guess, a bit of a different support team around you? Um, I don't believe I saw your dad there. Um, and no, I think he'd left... He's now home because yep. um, due to, again, coronavirus, he's um, been unable to get back to Dubai. So, um, yeah, he wasn't there at the, for the for that first race meet. Um, and, yeah, I suppose I think, um, again, on reflection from last year and, and racing nationally and, and um, I know, you know, Shane, we had a conversation about it before. You know, that was a really big step for me last year. It was... Um, going solo, going with a team that was based over east, um, stepping up to a 1600cc Formula V, which was something I hadn't raced before. Um, and, yeah, you know, I, I was out of my comfort zone racing at tracks nationally that I hadn't been to before, um, racing with, you know, the, the top Formula V competitors uh, in the country that, again, was the first time I'd been racing with some of those guys um, and I think that was massive for my growth in terms of um, feeling confident in knowing my ability, but also I suppose just preparing the car and, and general motorsport um, set up and those sorts of things. So um, whilst obviously his presence was very much missed at the beginning of the year, I think, as I said, that that whole year or that whole season for me last year was a really important growth that um, carried on and, and definitely made me feel more confident to kind of step up and do things on my own this year. You got a new engine for your car this year. I do. Yes. Uh, did you have much of a chance to run it in before we all got kicked out of the? Uh, yeah, I think track? <laughs> we had the one race at Barb's, and then I think um, we had a round at Collie as well, which um, I really enjoyed. That was my first time on the new track extension down at Collie Motorplex, so um, that was a lot of fun learning learning what that circuit now looks like but um yeah again a bit disappointed because of course like any new engine it takes a little while to to come on so um yeah it's i've been itching probably like everybody else uh to to get back out there and and give it a red hot run so uh fingers crossed i've seen the announcement today on facebook so looks like we're closer than i thought uh we were going to be so that's awesome yeah you know definitely uh for WA motors, uh, Motorsport Circuit racing fans. It looks like uh, June, I think it's about the 12th, is looking about the day we go racing again. So, um, yeah, obviously there's some sev- pretty severe limitations on, you know, what the amount of people will be allowed, but that's 
that's to be expected. And yeah, that's, that's just something that everyone's going to have to learn to deal with for now. And, you know, I guess the camaraderie between, you know, what I see at the Formula V's um, area, you know, the, I don't think it's going to be too limiting in terms of, you know, being able to have only one pit member because you guys all work on each other's cars anyway. So, yeah, that's it. That's um, it. You know, for, for any of the categories that don't have that, um, yeah, maybe a bit harder, but I think this might change that a little bit, which would be good. Mm. Now, to go back a little bit to the discussions, and yeah, I don't want to stay on um, your health for too long, um, but the type 1 diabetes uh, side of things, in a typical race day, you know, from, from our last conversations, and I'll link up in an article uh, for people, you know, in the description that, that can read the article and see, you know, where what we're chatting about last year. Has things changed much from how you're managing last year? Like has techno- technology improved in the last sort of 12 months from what you were using last time or what's, what's happening around that? I think when we last spoke in the article that you wrote around um, World Diabetes Day, um, I think I was using that technology then, but um, I'm still running the same insulin pump. So um, the, the, the insulin pump that I currently have has algorithms built into it that basically tries to keep your blood sugar level within a certain range or, or a healthy range as it should be. Um, and so I suppose we've really only had limited opportunity to test the, um, the capability of that insulin pump behind the wheel um, which, you know, will be awesome to, to capture, um, you know, on a, on a test day or a tune day where we can absolutely see how, um, how this algorithm tries to keep up with the adrenaline and, and the additional glucose. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, um, I suppose, motorsport and, and managing diabetes, it's uh, for the beginning of this year, I suppose it's just been uh, routine as usual. Um, we haven't really done anything additional and, um, yeah, it, it'll... I think towards the end of last year, we, we had it fairly well nailed in terms of um, race day preparation and, and the way that we were reviewing data before and after a race meet and um, checking in with my diabetes team to, to make sure that we were on top of uh, the best blood sugar levels we could for a race day. So, yeah, it'll, it'll just be a matter of uh, hopefully maintaining that for this year. And that's all done with, um, and I hope I pronounce this right, it's Novo Nordisk. Is well that done. Yeah. <laughs> can we be? Can I be forgiven for the whole Lightning McQueen thing? Maybe. Yeah, uh, maybe. 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 <laughs> See how we go. Um, Sounds very European. <laughs> it is indeed. Um, so yeah, those guys uh, have been awesome in terms of sponsoring me throughout my my racing career, if you can call it that. Um, so they came on board again for 2020 and. Uh, also have a professional international cycling team, uh, which is awesome. Um, and all the cyclists also have type 1 diabetes. So uh, it's been really cool to, I suppose, connect with, with some of those guys during this uh, COVID period and, and check in to see how they're going because likewise, you know, all their competitions have been suspended and, and postponed at the moment. So um, I suppose, though, again, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, for them, they can take their bicycle out and go for a ride where it's a bit different with a, with a race car. So, um, yeah, no, that's been really cool and, and looking forward to some awesome opportunities with them again, hopefully later this year, um, 
last year I got invited over to New Zealand and um, and present to the kids' hospital over there about what it's like to to race with type one diabetes and and that was a really cool experience because they were the kids that were transitioning I suppose between pediatric healthcare and and moving into that adult service. Um, and it just took me right back, I suppose, to being an adolescent myself and, and entering that scary world of what was my healthcare going to look like in terms of tackling uni and starting to drink alcohol and all the fun things. Um, and also, you know, getting your road license and, and for me at that time as well, started racing. So um, that was, as I said, a really cool opportunity and again, such a unique experience that I get to enjoy as part of my racing. Now, you're racing this year your first round uh results were quite fun to watch um <laughs> there's, there's some some very late breaking and like some uh yeah some very uh yeah wheel to wheel racing um i was is that just being more comfortable with the car this year or um just yourself or just going you know what I'm just gonna fully send it as much as i can and yeah, just get some yeah. much better results. Yeah, no, I think, as I said, I think last year I definitely grew a lot as a driver um, and I think anyone that races uh, open wheel categories or, or has watched any open wheel racing, um, you know, the you know the last thing you want to do is, is touch wheels. Um, but I think my experience over East last year racing nationally actually taught me how close you can get. And, um, again, some of that driving, I suppose, just pushed me out of my comfort zone. So, um, you know, coming back, having a new engine put in and, and having, I suppose, some time to give my original car some, some TLC, some much-deserved and, and needed TLC, I admit, um, it was just awesome to get back out there. And, and I think the beginning of the season for anyone, I think, you know, you always want to give it a red-hot go. It's like get rid of these cobwebs and and um, hit the track as hard as you can. So, yeah, it was awesome to get back out and, and really looking forward to hopefully a solid rest of the year as well. Yep. Now, um, I had a question lined up and it's gone completely blank. Um, <laughs> luckily, this isn't live, but this will probably still end up in the podcast because, you know, that's just how we roll here, like, and, yeah. you know. Um, the Have you got any interest, I mean, outside of quad bikes, um of, <laughs> yeah. of any other categories having a look at um i've never i've never i suppose kind of i think because i came into formula v because in some ways i i suppose that's kind of what i grew up with and was thrown into um but i have always thought that it would be cool to give um something on dirt a go <laughs> <laughs> so, as I said, quad bikes uh, definitely uh, sparked my attention the other day. But, um, you know, what Laura does is just friggin' awesome. <laughs> um, so, you know, that would that would be cool. And Dad actually did um, for many years racing Speedway. So, um, you know, it would it would be cool to give that a go, I think. But, um, yeah, I don't oh, know. Laura's survival, that thing's a weapon. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, um I love my I love my circuit racing and and love open wheelers. So um, I suppose, as I said, I've always just naturally been drawn to that. Now I've remembered my actual question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you sit on the WA Sporting Car Club committee. Yes. What is your role on that committee? So I am a 
standard committee member, I suppose. Uh, I'm a committee member. Um, so I've done, I've had, well, a committee member is a two-year term, so this is my second year um, being on the, on the committee. And um, I suppose, again, I probably bring a unique perspective to the committee in the sense that I'm not only female, but um, I suppose I fall into that youth category still, only just. Um, but it's been it's been a really good experience, and and I have really enjoyed it. Um, I think there's been obviously quite a few challenging times that the committee has faced in in the last couple of years, and um, and COVID, nonetheless, is obviously another challenge that we're currently facing in terms of trying to get motorsport back up and running in in WA. But um, I'm really passionate about, I suppose, developing motorsport channels and opportunities here in WA for younger members to join and participate and get involved and and that's not necessarily just driving or from a competitive perspective it's um again as Shane pointed out in his uh International Women's Day video it's it's Colleen in the office and it's um you know the women that are doing the hard yard standing at the flag points as well so um, you know, there's so many aspects and elements to motorsport that that make up the community, and um, as I said, that's just something that I've always been passionate about, and and hopefully something that after my two years, I can turn around and and say that I had some input into the development of the club. Now, on the topic of women in motorsport, um, and it is, you know, I, I think I've said it many, many times. I'd love to see more women in motorsport. Um, because it just brings a different atmosphere um, into racing. Uh, and it's just cool to see everyone, regardless, um, just just having a red hot go and just doing what they love. Um, and I've recently been following a woman in the UK, Charlie Martin, who is aiming to become the world's first uh, transgender female to actually win the... Le Mans 24 hours and oh, just cool. watching her and her racing and that and you know it's just so cool to see women so passionate about racing and I'm going to ask you again you know reflecting back on that Women's Day feature we did yeah how can we get more women involved at any level in motorsport like what needs to what do you think needs to change um, besides the Neanderthal habits of some men, um, yeah, what do you think? What do you think we can do to help get more women into motorsport? I think it, it probably just needs to be more of an open conversation. Um, you know, like I, I listened to Madeline's um, chat with you guys in the previous episode, and, and I suppose could really relate to what she said about her um, her dad. Um, you know who quite often would would take her along to the the racetrack and and it was never I suppose that kind of gender defying sport for her you know growing up it was like oh dad wants to go to the racetrack and I'm going along too sort of thing um and I suppose you know that's probably the way of the future in in some ways but I think we still have a lot to um contribute and drive that um and I think clubs around the country you know organizations and groups like race chicks are doing an awesome job but um you know again some of those bigger clubs could also be looking at opportunities in terms of of tapping people on the shoulder and and sparking some of that engagement um you know it's it's 
for people to get involved, usually it's because there's an opportunity there to begin with. Um, and so if it's not up to that individual to create that opportunity themselves, then organisations need to, I suppose, uh, do some of those hard yards and, and work out where some of those opportunities are. So I think that's definitely the step that we, we need to take and we, we need to push forward in, in the near future. Yeah. So how, like, there's something that I'm pretty keen on as well. Like my wife, I'm very lucky. I get to spend a lot of time. Uh, and money on cars. She's a car nut as well. Grew up with a, her old man, um, owned a workshop, her brother. That's how I met her through her brother at school. Um, she's got a pretty sweet weekender, but just doesn't want to be competitive. And I'm the opposite. I don't, road cars, cool, shiny cars. Yeah, they're cool. Don't do much for me. Race cars, competitive racing. That's that's what really does it for me. But how can you, Shane, Shane's grimacing because he knows what I want to say, but... Um, <laughs> How can you, like, is, do you think there's a barrier there because women just don't, um, they put, I don't know, they, they don't see the enjoyment of that competitive part or they're not competitive? Is that a thing? Because my wife just doesn't get the competitive side of it and I don't know how, um, so, so many times I put it in the car, she's like, she's worried about breaking it and you can't do anything dumber in the car than I've ever done. So like, yeah. I don't know, how do we fix that bit of it? Because I reckon I definitely, it's interesting you say that because I definitely think, um, and the, I suppose this question gets asked a lot in the sense of, um, you know, what what's, what can men do that women can't in terms of motorsport or, sorry, the other way around, what, what yeah, what what's the difference between a woman driving a car and a, a man? And, and quite often I find um, women respond to that with, oh, you know, well, the cars are physically demanding to handle and from a physical aspect it's more challenging and yada, 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 which I completely understand. Like there's definitely elements, don't get me wrong, you know, I think, um, like Madeline, you know, who's a total gym nut and loves working out and those sorts of things. I think that's something as a driver and as an individual that you decide you want to do to further your career, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. But one of the biggest things I've learned, and um, I was actually a part of the Women of Australian Motorsport Committee when, when that was still established, um, and we went along on a on a camp um, a few years ago that was run by Leanne Tander and Samantha Reed, and um, again that was just a really interesting opportunity to look at not only the physical element to driving but also the mental challenges. And there's a massive difference between women drivers and and men. And I think you've just touched on it a little bit there in terms of um, you know we overthink things a lot more. Um, and one of dad's favorite sayings to me is just bloody drive it. You know, he says to me, you know how to drive a car and that's exactly what you have to do. Don't think about, oh, what if I break too late and I end up spearing off the track? And I've had a few people come to me and, and ask me how I, I suppose, manage that doubt or, or manage that particularly on a race day. Um, and I've seen it, as I said, with other female drivers, you know, they'll absolutely beat themselves up before they get in the car about doing something wrong and they haven't even stepped in the car yet. Um, and I think that that is just a difference between men and women and it's something that um, over the years I've had to work hard at in terms of building that self-confidence and that having that sense of ability within myself to go out there and, and do it. Mm. I think there's yeah, no, 100% agree. I think there's some videos which highlight the uh, difference between women and men is the whole women live longer for these reasons. And then you've got men doing really <laughs> dumb shit. Well, yeah. just, you know, and, yeah. and I think that yeah. 
that highlights definitely, you know, that that doubt. Well, not the doubt, but like I guess when we're when we're probably a bit smarter than men when it comes to you know their personal Chris. safety. Yeah. Um, but in terms of physical capabilities and limitations, you just have to look at Laura Byrne. And, you know, oh, she's driving this massive, massive car. Absolutely. And she's so tiny. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, when, it, when I first met her, I was, just, I was blown away, you know, because yeah, obviously you see pictures and you see, you know, videos and it just doesn't put into perspective, you know. And then, you know, to actually meet her in person and go, oh, my God, she's, like, so tiny. There's and she's like just... That handling this car yeah. around the dirt mm. track at ridiculous speeds yeah. you know it's like there there is yeah. no physical difference really you know no, when, it, and when it comes like down to it state level and even national level racing to be honest to a bit um once you go national you get pretty competitive but state level racing you just gotta look around our pits none of us there's not many of us that are and i'm bringing myself into this there's not many of us that are a picture of health you know, there's probably maybe 10% of our local races that you could say a proper, really fit, you know, good athletes. A lot of us, we're just hacks. Mm. Um, you know, we drink too much. We eat too many fatty foods. And so the fitness side of it and, and the physical strength side of it, man, I'm as weak as. Um, cars have got power steering. Formula Vs are fairly light. Um, you can do it. You can drive a car. So, yeah. But I think, yeah, driving drivers naturally are egomaniacs i think that's part of motorsport that's why you put the helmet on um women maybe because they have that and i mean in the nicest possible way they have more of a um, maternal instinct or a safety instinct maybe that's why they don't they, they overanalyze and and want to take all the risk out of something before just doing it whereas we maybe guys just go out and just stuff dumb. it up before they realize they actually suck at something um <laughs> yeah and I think that was definitely the case for me last year, racing with a team based over east um, in a car that I hadn't driven before. Um, and I definitely had, I suppose, also the added pressure of knowing that this team and this car had won national championships before. Yeah. Um, and I had limited opportunities to get in that car. You know, um, I would literally fly in, do the practice day before the race meet and race and then come back to Perth and, and wouldn't see the car again until the next round. And, of course, had that also added challenge of racing at circuits that I hadn't been to before, let alone a car that I don't appreciate. Yeah, a few, a few times. Um, and I think, yeah, that was definitely a big mental struggle for me um, was just trying to overcome the fact that, I was taking that as a learning experience and was doing it because I enjoyed it, obviously. And the more pressure I put on myself, the less I was going to enjoy that. So, um, you know, it, whether it was taking a few seconds off my time or, you know, slowly progressing to getting closer to that top 10, whilst it took me almost the whole year to do that, um, you know, it was, a, it was pretty awesome for me personally to achieve that in what I thought was a fairly uh, short period of time. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah. I think it's um, it's definitely something that, as you pointed out, us women tend to struggle with more, but I suppose it's just an element of um, personal growth when it comes to motorsport. Uh, that national championship, you actually finished eighth, I believe. 
Yeah, th- that was that was because I committed to every round. So let's be fair. You're not supposed so to being... say, "Oh, it's only because I got every round." You know, just <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it was eight. You know, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a massive achievement, man. People just and, and I say this all the time, even just about local state level stuff. People build cool cars. People do a bit of sport the commitment and work it takes to be competitive, even at a state level to make every race meeting even is you, people just don't get how much time that soaks up and commitment and, and funds and mm-hmm. family life and everything. And then to do that at a national level again and have to work in with another team, da, 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 that's, and that's no small feat, you know, that not like if it was that easy, everyone would be doing it. You know, they wouldn't be playing golf or buying a boat or, Sim racing, um, spending the yeah, sim racing or spending their weekends <laughs> at IKEA, you know, like if, if it was easy to be competitive at that level, the fields would be retarded, you know, like it, it's not easy. That's why it's that's why it's challenging. Small, yeah, people, yeah, you know, yeah, nice, no, good point. <laughs> yeah, speaking of sim racing, have you done any sim racing in this downtime? No, you only need to uh, ask Ray Oliver how good I am at sim racing. <laughs> I, um, Rod Listen, who is our club president in Formula V, has a, a sim that um, we used a few years ago when we initially um, set up the truck and the trailer and, and Formula VWA headed over east. Um, and that was my first taste, again, I suppose, at, at tracks um, interstate. So we had a, I had a bit of a go on that a few times, but yeah, unfortunately, it's just not something that I've ever kind of got into properly. Um, and whilst being extended an invitation a few times in uh, in recent months, it's again, I suppose, with my workload right now, I just haven't found the time to kind of dedicate to it. But um, yeah, no, I'm pretty useless when it comes to those computer games. <laughs> you know how hard it took me just to log on to Zoom. So. <laughs> Well, you're a perfect day, like expert, you know. I wasn't sitting here muttering under my breath going, yeah, exactly. oh, we'll just go find another guest How today. This is it? ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> you never have to worry about being bad around computers when you've got me on the phone with Shane. It's, yeah, my team's worst nightmare. Yeah, but you used to still manage to log in quicker than I did. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've been logged in since midday just to make sure I didn't balls it up. <laughs> and he's had, uh, what's this, episode eight? So he's had yeah. seven episodes previous this practice. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, now Brent's probably chomping at the bit now to uh, ask some nerdy car questions, you know, as of, um, yeah, so time to let him loose. Um, I'll probably put my usual disclaimer in here. Apologies in advance for whatever happens now. Um, and yeah, we'll have a bit of a chat after, uh, Brent's finished. Sounds good. Yeah, no, I won't, I won't ask you too bad. Like I just, um, and I just did competitive motorsport. I don't know Jack about Formula V's other than they're a very old um, class that being one of the um, sort of matriarch open wheel classes um, and have outlasted a lot of, a lot, lot of other classes globally. So it's a big tick in the box of Formula V's. Massive following over here in WA. So we always have pretty good grids, which is awesome to see. Um, obviously you've, you've had the chance to drive other tracks around Australia. I've been pretty lucky. I've done a few of them now. Um, I rate, I really rate Barbagallo. I like Barbagallo or Wanneroo, I should say. Sorry. Um, how do you compare Wanneroo to some of the other tracks you raced at in the national stuff? And no pressure with like being a committee member or anything like that. Either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, real biased of, of you here. Um, 
No, I think because I came in, I always say that I was a bit of a late bloomer to motorsport. You know, I, I never grew up kind of racing go-karts or anything like that. So so finished high school, got my road licence and then uh, jumped in the car kind of at the age of, well, I suppose, almost my, my 20s. Um, but... Um, I think for, for many years, obviously, Barbagello Wanneroo was the was the only circuit that I knew um, and I absolutely loved the opportunity to go over east um, and not only, I suppose, just to experience a new circuit, but I actually really enjoyed the process of getting to the track and learning the track and walking it and, and discovering, you know, all the tricky parts of the circuit and then, I suppose, developing your performance and your outcome over the weekend. Like that in as a process I really enjoyed um, I must admit, I love Tail and Bend. Like, absolutely yep. love Tail and Bend. <laughs> well, I've got um, a question just about the Bend, so that's cool. <laughs> I think also one of the great things um, about Formula V is that it actually comes down to driver ability, um, you know, because things are so regulated. So as you touched on, there's basically no weight to the car. They're, they're light as a feather. Um, their engines are obviously, you know, everything's con controlled and, and regulated and, um, you know, it's not necessarily who's got the bigger budget when it comes to Formula V. Um, we all run the same race tyre, the same fuel. So, um, you know, that's one of the great things, I think, as and probably speaks volumes as to why the categories lasted so long um, and why it continues to succeed as a grassroots motorsport category is that, um, it, it's affordable to get into. It provides some fantastic racing. Um, and, and of course, at the end of the day, as I said, it's not about who's got the biggest budget or who spent the longest time racing. It's actually your ability and skill behind the wheel. So heading to a circuit like Tail and Bend, I think we were the, the second race meet that had ever happened on, on that circuit. So um, that was really cool because, again, even like the local guys in South Australia didn't necessarily have advantage. much advantage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so we rocked up and I just loved learning, I suppose, the intricacies of the, the circuit um, and, again, I suppose, building that confidence throughout the weekend. Um, and not only did I have an absolute ball but, uh, again, I suppose another a moment of independence for me for whatever reason. I think everyone was away working and, and no one was able to to commit to coming over and giving me a hand that weekend. Oh, wow. um, and whilst we had Team WA, of course, I didn't have anyone coming to help me pit crew um, and picked up the phone and, and called a, a friend of mine who she actually used to race Formula V, I think, a few seasons prior to that. And I said, Steph, what do you reckon? You reckon you can come and help me spin a few spanners for the weekend? And um, she agreed and, and it was just us two girls. Um, and not only did we have a fantastic weekend, but I ended up with my first race win. So <laughs> it was just, I suppose I've always had a bit of a biased um, love for Tail and Bend because of that. But the circuit as itself, I think it's just, um, yeah, it's it's pretty special. Yeah, the facilities there look, look wicked. Um we were supposed to be racing there this weekend coming, but COVID sort of stuffed all that. Um, the, yeah, so I get the the enjoyment of learning the new tracks. Like, cause when you've been racing for a while and like, um, you know, like if you've done so many seasons at Barbagallo, once you get over that sort of learning curve, that where you improve every race, you get to a point where the improvements are so tiny. And then some races you actually go backwards, you know, you're not doing PVs every race. 
when you go into state, you know, your three race meetings you have, um, you do better each one. That's a wicked feeling and it's Absolutely. quite, yeah, yeah, quite condensed. So yeah, I get, I get that. And yeah, the bins, bins are a ripper there. Um, so having your first, that, that win at the bend, um, I was going to ask about that, that you sort of told the story. I didn't realize you're, you're sort of flying solo. I mean, yeah. Team WA is pretty, pretty staunch team with the Formula Vs. There's some pretty heavy characters in, in there. Um, but, you know, having you and, you and your mate spinning spinners, that must have been pretty special. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, again, it it drives the um, the importance of, you know, showing that us girls can do it. You know, obviously we neither neither Steph or I are shy of asking for advice or, or you know, putting a hand up and waving a white flag when we need help. Um, and I think, again, touching on what what we need in the sport is absolutely supportive men who are willing and and patient and, um, you know, capable of, of showing us the ropes because um, particularly Steph and I have always had, a, I suppose, an interest in learning the mechanics of the car um, and that's very much been, I suppose, passed down from, from dad, from day dot, from myself. Um, before I even thought about stepping into a Formula V, he actually uh, drew me a diagram on a piece of paper and explained to me how the car works so you know there was the gearbox and there was the wheels and, and he actually as I said drew me the whole diagram on a piece of paper so that I could actually understand um as I said how, how a car functions um and you know that takes time and it takes passion and it takes someone dedicated to walk someone through that process so um again you know hats off to to the gents who are uh going the extra mile to to make us feel included and and um, educated and encouraged to be a part of the sport. Yeah, oh, wicked. And Formula Formula Vs. There, there is some like genuine good dudes or good people in um, Formula. Like um, I've talked to Brian a, a fair few times. He's pretty yep. passionate and he's always um, he's yeah always up to to help out. I think he does. Is he still doing driver's standards? Driver observer. Yes. Like, yep, yeah, yep. man. But you couldn't pay me to do that role. That would suck. <laughs> um, just because whatever you say is going to be the wrong call in the person's eyes. You know, it's been a, been a judge sort of thing. Um, but he's a, he's been a wicked help with some of my own driving as well. Line through seven. The Formula yep. V line is still the best line through there, I reckon. Um, the so with the um, uh, twelve hundred versus sixteen hundred. Yeah. Um, other than a bit of horsepower and, and a slightly torquier engine. Um, is there any other difference in between the two classes? Like, what, what is the difference? This is what I said, Shane. Testing my knowledge. No, I think one of the biggest differences between a twelve and a sixteen hundred that took me um, some getting used to last year was twelve hundred still have um, drum brakes. Ah. The sixteen hundred has has discs. So um, that's another easy way of seeing which is which. Because oh, I still don't know that. You can see just by looking at the wheels usually. Um, and so with them being, so they they based on a V-dub drum. Is it hard to get the brakes or is there allowances for aftermarket stuff? There's not, merit of there's not a lot stuff. of room to wiggle. Um, yeah. And I suppose that's something that we're all now struggling with trying to find parts for that exact reason because you know, essentially a lot of what we use is straight from a Beetle or a Combi. Um, and, of course, those cars as themselves are becoming um, attractive and collectible. And, you know, some of the Combis these days are selling for, you know, ridiculous oh, yeah. money. Yeah. 
So, um, you know, for us to try and find even H-beams, um, you know, these days are starting to become a bit of a challenge. Um, and I suppose that's a bit of a, you know, as you said, you know, Formula V's been around for donkey's years. So in terms of trying to keep the category going and alive, that's something that we as a category, I suppose, nationally is working really hard towards um, and, and trying to create a bit of a backlog or a, a catalogue, so to speak, of, of parts and things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's one of those categories that, um, it's really simple motorsport, you know, it's, there's nothing really much to it. There's only so much you can tune the car. There's only so much you can do to it. Um, and I suppose that's something that's quite humble about Formula V that I think draws, uh, so many people to it. Mm. So, um, the carbureted still, obviously. Yeah. Yes. And the and are they just on a normal pump fuel or are they on a um, jungle juicy eighty five something like that? Or just no, it's a big, yeah, just run ninety eight. Um, yep. There was before it was all restricted. Uh, I think quite a few people were running E ten, but um, due to the you know availability of that in states and and things, a lot of people have just gone back to ninety eight now. Yep, and. I noticed that some of the cars that track, there seems to be a few different bodies. Is that just because of the different manufacturers that have made the moulds and stuff over the years or is that a difference between classes or? Yeah, um, no, it's basically just the, the chassis and, the, as you said, the different makes. Um, Formula V, though, you can still buy a brand-new one custom-made essentially, um, you know, for for more money than what you would if you bought one second hand but the option's still there that if you if you wanted a brand new car you could get one made um which is pretty cool they have massive fields in uh, brazil believe it or oh, not wow. yeah formula v in in brazil um and in the uk obviously um they still run them over there quite competitively but um yeah it's still encouraging as i said to i suppose see it continue and, and kick on and and thrive which is awesome um, but yeah, the, the body these days, you can basically do what you want. We had a guy, um, Anthony Lees, who's of course motorsport kind of royalty in Western Australia, who's been around and, um, I know a lot of categories know Anthony quite well, but he just recently, I think it was last year or the year before ended up finishing a, a custom car that he'd built himself. Um, and he actually designed the the body off uh, Formula Ford bodywork, so oh, yeah. that's only been run once, I think, or twice. Um, but yeah, so you can you can basically do um, what you want in terms of the appearance. But um, yeah, I suppose those those molds that have been around for many years obviously still continue to get used. Cool, um, yeah. and. A little while ago, and, and I assume it's a pretty regular thing, as, uh, likewise with our category, we're always looking at changing things up. But you did, there was some tyre testing at the, was it the start of this year or was it last season? Might have been the start of this year, I can't remember. That must have been last year. Some tyre testing with the Formula Vs. What, what's the hot gossip there or the hot scoop <laughs> there? Well, hot gossip is that uh, there is no hot gossip. No, we've, um, the category's decided that we're sticking with uh, Dunlop Racing Tyre, which is um, which is quite cool, again, because um, like when Dad used to race Formula V 25 years ago, they were running a Dunlop Racing Tyre. So it's kind of cool that, again, the category's gone back to its roots and, and um, that's what we've decided to stick with. So, again, we've only had limited opportunity to, to race on the tyre and, 
I don't actually think we did. We've had any wet weather, so mm. um, and we might have at Collie. It always yeah, seems so Collie yeah. would have been a wet round. Yeah, you get, wet. yeah, it's like racing in Melbourne. You get four seasons in one day at Collie, but um, yeah, no, it's been good. I think it's really good for the category. Um, everyone will always have a different opinion about what tyre they prefer because what motorsport category wouldn't have a debate about tyres if it wasn't a motorsport category. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's a good move. Um, as I said, it's kind of nice to go back to its original roots and, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how things go when the season kicks off again. Absolutely. I think it's um, brought back, sorry, I think it's brought back some of that competitiveness as well. I think a lot of the tyres that we've run over the last couple of years has allowed for more kind of gap between, um, you know, there's not that kind of niche, um, what's the word, requirements in terms of getting the tyre set up right, yes. you know. So some people have run quite high temperatures versus quite low temperatures and seem to get the same result in the tyre, um, whereas what we've found obviously with the racing tyre, there's there's little room for um, movement. Yes. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Good reason for going to it as well. Mm. The um, so going with the bend again. Going back to that, obviously WA we're pretty lucky because our Formula V category, um, our open wheel category is actually to be honest, are pretty good numbers, um, except for the more expensive ones. But different story there. Um, mm. But the we're pretty lucky. But at the bend, my understanding is, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that they run their open wheel categories together or there's some sort of mixing of the categories? Yeah, I think that's the case for most of the state racing. Um, again, when we when I've raced there, it's been under the national championship. So Formula V has always been a race of its own. Um, and then, again, I suppose depending national events and, and grid sizes, Quite often, as it is in WA in a state level, the 1200s and the 1600s run in the same race. Um, at some of the national events, as I said, though, depending on grid size, grid sizes, um, they'll split them, which is which is cool because it takes away again some of that, I suppose, strategic um, element to it. Because of course, quite a lot of the quicker 1200s try and get. Um, caught up with the 16 so that they can get a toe and down the straights and those sorts of things. So um, it's a bit more of an even playing field. But, yeah, I do believe that um, at a state level or a state perspective at Tail and Bend, they, they put them all in together, which I think would be quite frightening in your little 1200 Formula V with some of the other things flying past you with aero. And yeah, aero. especially some of the classics. Like there's some yeah. of them are still stupid fast. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so, and like I got no. What's the lap time for a Formula V? Gosh, um, at Barb, oh, at yeah, yeah, Wanneroo Raceway. Um, I think the quickest twelve hundreds sit somewhere between like a minute ten and a minute twelve. Um, and then the sorry, I said twelve hundreds, didn't I? Sixteen hundred yeah. are usually yeah, a couple of couple of seconds quicker. So I think yeah, the quickest. The quickest 1600s are doing about a minute nine, minute eight. Oh, so it's cool. It's quick. Yeah. yeah for, for how much power they got, yeah, absolutely quick. Yeah. And one, I think one of the awesome things about Formula V, um, and I am quite close, um, good friends with the, the Dicker family, and I will always remember this evening we were all out for dinner and, um, and Greg said to me, 
explain to Sam how you drive into the last corner at Barbagello. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, just do it, just do it, just talk us through it. And so, you know, I was like, we come down the hill and we break, you know, I normally break at the grate just before the flag point on the left and and then we change down and then we turn in and we're back on the gas and, and Sam's like, what, you're back on the gas? And I was like, yeah, 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 like we, we, we break and we change and then we turn and then before we get to the corner we're back on the gas and he just couldn't believe it. And I was like, well, you know, we've got such little horsepower that, um, you know, in order to keep our, our lap times quick and, and to, you know, be competitive, um, we actually drive through the corners. Like we don't get to the apex and then squeeze on the gas. We're, we're already hard on the gas before we've, you know, we've turned in and we've committed. Um, and I suppose a bit like any other open wheeler, you know, the last thing you want to do is um, take your foot off that accelerator or, You'll, you'll end up looping it. So it's quite a unique, I suppose, style of, of racing an open wheeler because like a Formula Ford or something else, it's just it's completely foreign in terms of how we drive them. Mm. Well, that's the same, that line, that Turn 7 line for, for a um, Formula V. It's, if you can get a normal car, like a production-based car, to dance on that, that left wheel and hook yeah. and you're on the gas before that corner, it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. You're wrong. It's it's horrible. It's, it's all over. It's good. But yeah, like I've done it a couple of times, and it's yeah retarded. It's yeah. almost impossible to do outside of those cars. Um, yeah. Oh, that's wicked, man. That's yeah. I won't bother you with too many other dumb questions. Uh, <laughs> I have a dumb question. Yeah. So I keep confusing when I talk. <laughs> Fred knows exactly what I'm going to ask. <laughs> When I talk about Formula Vs and Formula Fords, right. I always get them around the wrong way. What's the easiest way to tell them apart besides looking for your car on the grid and going, April's on the grid, this is Formula V? <laughs> um, well, I suppose Formula Fords are a bit bigger, I think, aren't they? Like inside? They're heaps bigger. The front, the front beam, the front suspension on the Formula Vs did give away the big beam. The HP, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Okay, I'm just going to keep looking for you on the grid and just go, yeah, cool. That's the difference. (laughs) Oh, dear. Although Andy Andy Malkin's going to have like my logo on the front of his nose cone this year, so um, that'll be another giveaway for me. I'll be like, oh, yeah, this is Formula Ford right now. I bet you still call them wrong. You've started started a trend. You're going to be getting them way wrong for even now. Maybe I need to write, you know, have like sign write Formula V across the side of the car as well. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we need to get a, like a flyover of a plane before each race. And, like, just... like a blimp, you know. Yeah. Just... yeah. Formula V blimp. And it can just yeah. like change. Doesn't Dunlop have a blimp? Or is that yeah. bridge? Yeah. No, no Dunlop. Uh, I need Dunlop. Cool. Get them to come and, you know. It's like ours anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Formula is pretty good though because they've got um, the Formula V pits, as everyone knows, that the carports down that end of the track. So it's kind of kind of cool to see. And I think there's a um, isn't there a guy that's running a Formula V in regularity or something like that, scooting around? Yeah, that um, I think that used to get used for hill climbs. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't think it's an inspect car, but it's kind of cool to see it out. It's very know, cool. Around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now he comes over for a chat and then and um, likes to, to hang out, which is awesome. I think that's one of the things that I do really love about Formula V um, and even over East when it was more competitive. You know, there's still, 
it's still just a lovely community and I don't know if that sounds super lame but um you know as Shane kind of pointed out you know like someone breaks something on their car and next minute you've got eight people running around with toolboxes and parts or they're jumping in their car to head home to grab it and I don't know too many categories that are like that so it's pretty cool so have you anything else Brent no, no, I've, when I've got a page full of silly questions, but no, I've, <laughs> I've, I've learned a lot about Formula Vs. Um, I, I, I kind of, the question I like, I like how, um, why um, you like the running at the other tracks, to see that progression really quickly in, in one weekend. I mean, that's, that's cool to me as well. So that's, that's pretty mm. rad. It was, I know I've said this to Shane before, but um, I don't run any data in my 1200, but the car that I ran over east, of course, had all the bells and whistles and um, they had all the, I uh, forget the name of it now, the the setup, you know, the dash, you know, what it's, yeah, yeah tech something, Motec, I remembered. Oh, so you, had, um, you had a ripper in there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Eventually Chris is going to watch this and be like, stupid girl. Anyways, um, so yeah, Motec <laughs> and oh. all the rest of it. Um, and so we'd come in from the race and, of course, they plug the, the laptop in and download all the data and overlay it with the, the track and all the rest of it. But what was really cool for me was that process and as we just discussed, you know, the development and build over the weekend. But I suppose what's unique to me is that I was doing that exact same process with my diabetes and checking my blood sugar yeah. levels. So it was really cool because we could actually sit down and go, well, this is the data for the race car and this is April's data. <laughs> um, so that was that was really cool being able to compare those as well. Yeah, that was kind of cool what you're saying right at the start of the, uh, you know, when we first started talking to you about the um, the software or the, the algorithm or, or whatever um, process that the insulin pump takes to try and regulate with the extremities of, extreme sport mm. um it sort of sounds million dollar managed you know like might have said, well you're careful someone might start logging protests yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, i don't think it gives me any super advantage in terms yeah. of making me a better driver if anything i'm just trying to keep up with everyone else yeah. that's got a normal functioning body but um yeah no it is it is pretty cool it is definitely cool and it's one of those things that um you know, again, I suppose when I started looking at motorsport or, or you know, getting interested in potentially doing something myself, um, it was something that I had to ask the question as to whether I was even capable of doing. Um, and it wasn't only, it was because of Charlie Kimball, who races IndyCars in the US, um, that we were able to see that technology had kind of advanced to the point in the US where he was able to run his car with uh, technology hooked up to his steering wheel so that his pit crew could dictate what his blood sugar level was doing whilst he was no doing the indie car. Yeah. So they were able to check his fuel consumption and his tyre pressures and also his blood glucose levels. Um, and wow. so while he had, you know, gluco, glucagon or Powerade or whatever you want in the car, they could just, you know, over the the teleconference, the teleconference over the you know telecoms, um, just say to him, you know, you're going to need a couple of sips of Powerade or whatever it was. Um, that wow. we, I think, as a family, kind of went right. Okay, you know, this can be done, and this can be done professionally. Um, and that's kind of that was really quite a, a massive inspiration for me to to get involved. That that is cool. 
Mm. And unfortunately, I suppose I just don't race, um, obviously, long enough in the car to kind of make that commitment to set up that technology. But I suppose this insulin pump that I do have in some ways provides that technology already that we can review a, a shorter race. We just can't do it, obviously, during the race, but we can come in and download that data straight away. So it's very so, cool. Speaking of that, what is the, what is the future for, H, uh, for April with racing? Is it um, for, Formula V to death or is, you know, you're that in love with the category or have you got your eye on something else? Um, you know, you're talking about dirt cars, so maybe Formula 500, for, uh, speed cars, sprint cars, open wheelers in the oval um, or, I don't know, any of the other formula categories, um, enduro racing, I don't know what, You've already got to taste some interstate stuff, so it's hard. It's a hard bug to shake. It is absolutely. I think my pinnacle of of motorsport goals would be to run in a team. So whether it's um, you know a, a season of um, a support category in supercars, or whether it was over in America with Charlie Kimball, but I would love to see a motorsport team with two type one diabetic drivers. As far as I find, nothing has been done before, um, you know, and I think it would be pretty awesome to have a two-car team or even just a co-driver team with, with two diabetics on, on the grid. I think that would be awesome. So, um, you know, whether, as I said, it's Charlie Kimball in the US or, um, you know, even locally with, with Jack Perkins, um, that would be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Does so Jack Perkins diabetic? He is type oh, one. Yeah, there you go. type one, and um, and again, I suppose an inspiration for me growing up, but even more so because uh, my grandfather used to race Formula V with, of course, Larry Perkins. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, wow, there you go. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe good, good old Jacko, and I'll have to um, try and tee something up, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's definitely well. I mean, you, you work in the right industry to try and help make those sort of things go as well, with the whole PR side of it. So yeah, for sure. Watch so, this space. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Good about this it. time that I usually ask, uh, "What's on the wall behind you?" Um, now it's a piston, piston cup t-shirt. Yeah, it's a t-shirt. Yeah. Um. Says so piston cup champion. Oh, yep. Is, uh, is there a bit of history behind this shirt or just something you love? No, well, I just love this jumper for obvious yeah. reasons. And then um, we did a family trip to the States a few years ago and went to Disneyland in uh, Anaheim. And, of course, they have Cars Land. So yeah. uh, the family went a little bit OTT with the merchandise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it like a whole uh, like the the awkward Christmas jumper thing? Like you all got matching ones or a different oh, character on each one? I must admit, I didn't know this t-shirt existed until tonight. But um, <laughs> there we go. Apparently, that's uh, one of Dad's favourites. No, um, I think Dad's got one of those like old school like garage shirts. You know, like with the top. Oh top yeah. Top. And I think he's got a, a Lightning McQueen one of them or something. But um. The coolest thing we found, um, and I'll have to send you through a photo, Shane, so you can put it up if you want, but they had um, these caution cones, you yeah. know, like anyone that's seen the movie will know that you can stay in them. But um, 
at Cars Land, they were. I do remember that. <laughs> they, were done. they had them as like water bottles. So you okay. had like an actual cone with like a handle and then like a big straw coming out the top. And <laughs> oh, like the, cheese, the big cheesy theme park yeah, ones. They yeah, have yeah, that are, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's um, wicked. So, of course, we bought them because, you know, when you're a tourist at Disneyland, you've got to buy a walking cup, cotton yeah. cone. Um, so I was like, oversized water bottle. Yeah, so I was like, Dad, where's my caution cup? You know, I I need it, but I think it's in storage somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I would have had it out for you, I promise. Now, the my little fanboy moment usually happens after we disconnect with the uh, with our guests, and I was like, oh, they're a fantastic person. But I've uh, you know obviously been a lot more at the track in the last couple of years, and watching your interactions with you know, people of all various, you know, ages, um, involvement with motorsport, if they're just, you know, passing through or whatever. I think what you do there is fantastic. And um, this is my fanboy moment. So I don't <laughs> care what anyone says. Um, you know, and, and I think that's amazing. You know, when we had a chat at the beginning of this year, you know, so you said, you know, if anyone wants to come down and get involved with motorsport, come and see you because you've done it all. You've done marshalling, you've volunteered, you're on the committee, you're racing, um, you know, and they can come sit in your car and, you know, like all that sort of cool stuff, which, you know, a lot of people don't do and you know there is the, sometimes those walls up and i think that's fantastic that you do that um and i'm gonna stop fanboying out right now um because <laughs> <laughs> brent's looking a bit uncomfy and uh over there. Oh, no, I, I, yeah i mean I've, I've talked to april a few times at the track and man she carries carry yourself so well it's so good and like shane's saying like on a race day you're that flat tack just trying to remember what category you're behind next so you don't be the person that's getting yelled at to hurry up to grid and all that sort of stuff. And, and to be to be that selfless to, to take that time out to try and get people in the sport. And there's not a lot of people that, that do that in any category. And, um, you know, like motorsport is a victim of its own success where it's so easy to watch the pro stuff on, on TV now. So the need to go to a local event um, used to be a day out for people, you know, it certainly mm. was for me growing up. Um, but it's not not so much these days, and so anything that can bridge that gap to um, to make sure that my kids take up motorsport instead of golf um, is good in my eyes. I do love how like that motorsport and golf seem to always be the comparison. <laughs> Even growing up, Dad was always like, you know, if Mum ever made a complaint about how much motorsport cost, you know, Dad always threatened with, well, I could always go out and play golf. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I give um, golf such a hard time, especially because um, Andy that looks after my, uh, well, most of my cars, Andy's um, he's a mad golfer as well. He's one of those annoying people that's, um, this is Andy from Hyperdrive, Andy Shane. He's um he's one of those people that's just annoying that annoyingly good at everything he does. Yeah, right. Like darts, <laughs> pool, um, golf, racing, um, anything that's competitive, indoor cricket, um, anything slightly competitive. He's just one. Of, he would have been one of those annoying kids at school that was good at every single sport. Um, but yeah, I'll give him grief about golf because every Friday at the workshop, if you're having a couple of drinks. He's in the office because he's trying to book his time slot so he can get on the golf course at the right time. It suits him. I'm like, man, you're such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. But yeah, no, Ripper. No, I think it's, um, I think 
it's funny how a lot of people, um, well, a lot of females, you know, get brought into the sport because dad raced or their brothers raced or, you know, something along those lines. Um, and obviously that's very much the case for me, but I actually grew up hating motorsport <laughs> um, because it was on the TV most weekends. And, you know, for me it was like, oh, you know, dad's going to the track again or what have you. And I suppose it wasn't until those later years that I actually appreciated, you know, what a can of Mr. Sheen can do. And, <laughs> um, you know, I, I learned what a what different size spanners worked on the car and all that sort of stuff. And, oh, is is uh, Mr. Sheen your hot tip for the tyre marks? I used to say to Dad, you know, a, fast, a, a clean car is a fast car. So, um, you know, I've definitely learnt that uh, a bit of polish goes a long way. But, um, yeah. no, I think it's, it's you know, for me, um, you know, my approach of, as I said before, you know, you've got to have an opportunity for someone to be involved in something. So, um, you know, as, as silly as it seems, you know, if it means getting a kid to sit in the driver's seat and, and have a photo and, mum and dad say remember that time when you know you got to sit in formula v you know if that's what it takes for them to want to pursue that um then i'm all for it so um as i've said to shane before you know any opportunity if anyone even just wants to talk about how to get involved in motorsport you know i'm more than happy to to spend the time and and share that passion so um yeah no i i think it's something that we can all probably do and um continue to grow the sport and if you really want to be really awkward make sure you go see april just as i'm walking past with all my camera equipment on and then she'll <laughs> hand a mobile phone to you to me and go am i taking a photo of us with this little mobile phone so yeah off comes the thousands of dollars of equipment onto the ground <laughs> sometimes no, it's such a, it's such a camera nerd. but you know what like the the sheer enjoyment of that particular kid's face having you know the photo taken that day and then seeing it all over Instagram was, you know, whatever. I get over it. <laughs> sort it of, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's 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 what it's all about, man. Any, uh, yeah, um, anything, anything to get the kids into cars. Um, yeah. Now, before we wrap up, I've done my little fanboy moment. Um, is there anything you would love to tell us about April before we? say good night to you oh what more than i have already said <laughs> sponsor here yeah yeah Spon <laughs> sponsors um <laughs> um no well i think again in terms of the opportunity that having a chronic health condition um and and being able to to go out and go racing and and prove that uh, you know it doesn't it doesn't only really matter what um, gender you are. Um, you can also have a chronic health condition and and still win races is is pretty pretty cool. Um, and I'm just so lucky that the sponsors that I do have that uh, support me to continue doing what I enjoy and what I love and and what I've dreamt of doing. Um, you know, fuel my ability to, to live a long and healthy healthy life. So, um, you know, rather than me standing around and taking photos next to a Powerade bottle, um, you know, I actually have sponsors that I'm genuinely, you know, enthusiastic to promote and talk about and, and share um, and the amazing opportunities that it creates in terms of me being able to, to go and speak to kids and visit hospitals and, and invite families to the racetrack and get to see just what you can do whilst having type one diabetes is honestly, it's, it's an awesome gift. Fantastic. 
Well, if anyone wants to keep up to date with what April is up to, uh, make sure you check out, look her up on Facebook or Instagram. Um, always some pretty cool stuff being put up there about what she's up to. Uh, and of course, with race season coming up, there'll be lots more going up, I hope. Um, really? Yeah. So thanks very much for joining us and we'll catch up again soon. Mm. That's good. Thank you, guys. Cheer the track. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Alrighty, we'll be right back after this quick little break. Um, so that was pretty much, yeah, great little chat with uh, April. Um, and yeah, of course, uh, sorry to everyone who had to witness my little fanboy moment with her. But, um, you know, it, as I said, you know, it's great to see, you know, someone doing something like that. Um, and just to wrap things up, a couple of things. Number one is... Uh, in the next couple of weeks, I'm actually heading out to chat with some guys who are doing uh, electric car racing. So they've got a Tesla race car, which they race in the Targa West events. But they've also built a mobile charging station in the back of a Hyundai. And I had a look at that on the weekend and it was pretty cool. Um, definitely voided the manufacturer's warranty. Uh, but whatever. And uh, what else have they got? And they're doing some, they were attacked, they, they were picked on by Jeremy Clarkson, funnily enough, uh, for their diesel generators that were charging their cars. Uh, so the guys have actually produced a uh, generator that runs on chip oil. Um, so Yeah. Yeah, essentially. Well, no, not biofuel. Completely different. Um, biofuel is actually a very bad word to use because there's been a lot of scammers out there with that. Um, but it is based on the whole, you know, used fryer oil and all that sort of stuff. Um, does it smell like a used fryer oil? Oh, my God, it does. It's so delicious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm standing going, yep, yep, yep. I like the smell of your electricity generation right now. Um <laughs> So, yeah, so that's, uh, that's pretty cool. So that's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. And then, yeah, obviously we'll uh, yeah, have a chat and uh, obviously link it all in. And, yeah, so. Um, oh, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Because, that, that, like, love it or hate it, um, men, I like the big, big cube and um, NA engines and I like turbo engines. They're all fuel hungry that, you know. But the way the world's going, the way motorsport's going, the way everything's going, I think, yeah, the sooner we can embrace 
electric cars, electric racing, mm. Formula E, etc. That the sooner it's, yeah, it's going to happen whether we like it or not. So yeah. you better to be on the front foot than the back foot. Correct. Now, um, before we wrap up, what has Mr. Lux Performance got going on at the moment? Uh, so I finally got the simulator up and running. Uh, John at Racecraft has been pretty wicked. It's been a steep learning curve because I've been mucking around with sims for a while, but this is the first time I actually tried to be competitive and man, it's a steep learning curve. But with the great news of going back to, to racing and um, with you know the newfound love for, for sim racing and a lot of people getting hooked on it, I've uh, got a bit of a competition going with Lux Performance at the moment. Uh, got a voucher for from John at Racecraft and a pair of Apex gloves from P1. Um, all you got to do is look up the post on Lux Performance or on Instagram, share a picture of either your, your sim, sim race car or your actual real race car. Um, and we're going to pick a winner on Saturday um, just to celebrate that that return to, to racing, really. Return to sort of normal living. You know, we've always got to be cautious about COVID and, and the controls in place, but we're getting back to a, a more normal way of life. So to celebrate that, um, P1 Race for Australia, they've given us a set of gloves to give away. John at Racecraft has given us a voucher there for some of the best simulators in the country. So, um, yeah, really awesome competition. It's probably the best one we've done this year. Um, and some wicked wicked submissions so far. So, yeah, we're going to do it pretty quickly um, and go from there. So, going to try to do more of this sort of stuff. You know, I've got a lot of really good suppliers like P1 that are really keen to help do this sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, you can keep pushing it. Cool. All right, that wraps it up for episode eight. Uh, we will be back next week. Catch us later. Thanks, man. Cheers.